Q&A time on our Airbnb Masterminds Facebook page. Me, Kyle Stanley, the fearless investor, I'm going to try to give you the best answers possible. Let's get into it. I believe true wealth cannot be measured by your income. It is instead measured by your availability of choices, especially the choice to live life on your terms. I also believe there are many ways to create wealth, but one thing is for certain. You have to have a laser focus on one path. My path, Airbnb, but I also believe in education and expanding your mind. Education helps you take off the blinders of life and see opportunities you never saw before. Join me on this journey of learning how to create wealth in Airbnb, real estate, and so many more investment strategies. Together, we can conquer the world of investing. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast. Hey guys, it's me, Kyle Stanley, the Fearless Investor, talking to you on both our YouTube and podcast. And I'm so excited right now. This is some of the biggest news that I never thought I'd ever be able to announce, but we now have the largest Facebook page in the world for Airbnb education. Can you believe that? Over 70,000 members. We just surpassed another group uh, that was right around 69,000 members. Uh, our group has been growing like bananas for about the last year now, and it is so cool to see all of you that are coming in and wanting to provide value. And of course, there's craziness when it comes to a Facebook page, right? But we're adding moderators. We're trying to get rid of the nonsense. And it's hopefully coming across as one of the best Facebook pages out there for you. If you haven't joined the fun yet, make sure to go to Facebook. Just search Airbnb Masterminds. It's right there for you. And then if you haven't already gone to my uh, my website, fearlesskyle.com, you're missing out on tons of amazing resources. I've got my Airbnb profit calculator. I've got the links to my podcast and YouTube channel. All that's free. I've also got my courses that can help you in a number of different ways. We've got our market eval kit, which is just 97 bucks, and that's going to help you to be able to decide which market you want to start your Airbnb uh, world in or maybe even moving on to that next uh, Airbnb market, how to decide that. Uh, number two is our Airbnb operator course, which is for those of you that are just looking to optimize your day-to-day -day, and maybe you have one or two and uh, one or two listings already, or you're about to open up your first one and you just have no idea how to even automate any of this process, how to manage the day-to-day. -day. And uh, that's just going to help you big time in your efforts to be able to go and just create more income and reduce headache. Like that's, that's what we want to do in a business, right? And then of course, my all-encompassing Airbnb Kickstart course, which is going to help you learn how to do Airbnb without owning the property, turn it into a six-figure income, just like I did in under 18 months. In fact, turn it into a six-figure income in under a year, turn it into a $20,000 income in under 18 months. And now we're at $40,000 and climbing in under two and a half years. Uh, it's been a life changer for me. So if you want to follow any of those paths, then you can just go to fearlesskyle.com and check them all out. So let's get into it right now because I am super excited about these questions as we continue to move along and see more members join our group. We're seeing even better questions, even better um, answers. And, and for that reason, I am loving uh, sharing this. And, and what I want to do is go ahead and share my screen so you guys have the exact questions. And those of you that are listening on the podcast, you can just listen in. But uh, this one here um, from Jamie Tuttle, and this was on October 9th. Jamie says, we've been doing Airbnb now for six weeks. Congratulations, Jamie. And we are very booked. Also, congratulations again. And received great reviews. Congratulations a third time. All right. I cleaned the house myself. I have uh, hired my niece to help out as well. I know I probably need to start thinking about hiring a cleaner so I'm not strapped to the house 
in the summer vacations, et cetera. Um, the, the problem I see is that the cleaning, the beds, making, uh, making the beds can also be done in four hours, but the laundry takes much longer to finish. It's a five bedroom house. Um, how do you work around this? My thoughts are to have cleaners leave unfinished laundry in the garage so I can grab it and take it home or to the local laundromat. Um, I looked up laundry service, but it's really expensive. Does anyone have anything or any ideas? So I think this is a really great question. And this is actually something that I'm going to suggest uh, from what was taught to me when I first got into Airbnb. And that is, it is okay to kind of nudge the Airbnb guests and say, oh, by the way, it's not really required, but if you can, it would be so stinking helpful if you start a load of laundry and even have above the washer, hey, here's the instructions for starting laundry, you know, making sure that if, you know, you have any sort of bleach, uh, making sure there's no colors in there, uh, making sure you're not overloading the laundry, all that stuff. Because what we find is that if if a guest starts a load of laundry called around 10 a.m. because they're cleaning the place up and they're getting ready to leave and your cleaner shows up at 11, guess what? They have one load of laundry that is already done. An hour has been cut out and you're able to move that from the washer to the dryer. Now, of course, this is a very idealistic world that I live in and it only happens probably about 40% of the time, but hey, 40% of the time you're cutting an hour off of your laundry. That's pretty cool. Um, the second thing that I would say uh, here, Jamie, is that you, I, I'd wanna ask you honestly, if you have a cleaning team or if you have cleaners, uh, there's a big difference. If you have a cleaning team, typically a cleaning team already is equipped and kind of knows how to work around these kinds of things. They might even have a, a relationship with a laundromat that they can just go take it to themselves. Um, if you have just cleaners, then I would just say, hey, if, if I could pay you an extra, call it $10 per cleaning, to just take the extra ones home and then bring it back when you're done um, or when, when that next cleaning happens. And then you have, but the, the problem there is you have to have a lot of buy-in with the cleaners. You have to have a lot of trust in the cleaners as well. So again, just kind of recapping that they, they finish the laundry, they take it home uh, for the ones that have not been finished, and then they bring it back upon the final um, or the, the next turnover. The last thing is that, you know, if you just are upfront and honest with the guests, they're typically going to be okay with uh, the, the next situation. And that is, hey, we're really sorry, but there was a lot of laundry from the previous guest and we couldn't get to it all. And we left some stuff in the dryer. If you need to use the washer dryer, go ahead and just take that, that stuff out of the dryer put it right on top. We'll take care of it when we come and we clean after your departure. So any of those three ways, as long as you are open about that. And by the way, even if you kind of forget most of the time, you know, I've, I've, how many guests have I hosted in, in groups, probably over 2000, 2,500 at this point. Um, if we've left things in the dryer, sometimes people have complained, but when I say sometimes, I mean like 1% of the time. And it's only been because we haven't been upfront and told them, hey, we left some stuff in the dryer because the cleaner didn't communicate it to us. So if you can get really good at getting your cleaner to communicate that to you, well, 100% of people should be okay with it. And if you, your cleaner forgets to communicate that to you, well, 99% of people are probably still going to be okay with it. So that would be some of my solutions there, Jamie. I hope that is helpful. I hope that gets you an answer that you are looking for. Okay, sharing my screen again. Let's go to the next question. Next question is from 
Carmen Garcia, not going to even try to pronounce your middle name, Carmen, sorry. Uh, please, I need help. She says, I'm currently trying to sign the lease on a duplex duplex with the homeowner and the homeowner is aware, good, uh, that we will be using her property for Airbnb arbitrage, but she doesn't want to put my business as the primary. Instead, she wants to put me as the primary person on the lease and my business as the personal guarantor. How can I go about talking to her about putting my business on the lease instead of me if she doesn't put my business on the lease and instead puts my business as the personal guarantor? What does this mean for my business? So just so everyone understands Carmen's question, if you are not familiar with the arbitrage model, you lease it from an owner with their permission, sublease it on Airbnb. The best way to do this is through a business, an LLC like Carmen is talking about. But sometimes owners say, hey, I don't want to do it with an LLC. I want to do it with you because I don't want to have uh, any sort of liability with a company. I want to have liability with a tenant. And that's okay. Um, however, you just got to, at this point, Carmen, look at um, educating this owner a little bit and saying, hey, you know, and, and honestly, just asking some really good questions to me would be where you want to start with this. Hey, uh, can you share with me, you know, why you want it to be me instead of my LLC? And you know, address those issues right up front. If the owner has an issue specifically with something that they have a misconception of, then you can speak to that misconception. Um, you know, just for example, if they say, well, you know, um, you know, I'm just trying to think of something. If, if they say, hey, you know, we don't want to sign it with a, uh, a business because we feel like, um, you know, that doesn't put any liability on you, you're just reminding them and saying, hey, well, you know, it's my job to make sure that this house is 100% hotel um, quality level where it's ready for every single guest. So if there's something that happens with any sort of damage to the property, that's not just bad for you. That's bad for me because I'm trying to make money in this property. So if there's damage and I don't take care of it, like my reviews are going to go bad. And, and by the way, let me remind you, I'm investing over $10,000 to come into your home and furnish it. Do you really think that I want to trash it? So just, you know, getting to that point where you can educate them and make sure you speak directly to their misconceptions. Now, the next thing I would do if they're still stingy in it is take a pulse of where your uh, personal risk level is and think to yourself, okay, and, and I would speak to a lawyer about this and ask them, hey, you know, let's talk worst case scenario. If I'm a personal guarantor, if I'm signed on this lease and the house burns down and the owner wants to come after me, you know, what, what does that look like? And so I would get to that point where you understand the worst case scenario and are you okay with the worst case scenario? And if you are, you can make a decision based on that to still be a personal guarantor. But just so you know, um, you know, there's no tax differences. It's really just about um, all of your, uh, your, your liability that you'd be taking on. And for me personally, I'm at a point in my business where I wouldn't be taking that on. I would make sure it's in my LLC. Um, but you know, you have to kind of make that decision based on your risk level. So hopefully that helps out a little bit, Carmen. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, there's a, there's a lot of business out there to be had. So if it's not this one, you might be happy that you didn't do it. In fact, some of the best deals that we do are the ones that we didn't do. Right. So just realize there are other deals out there and this might not be the best fit. Okay. Next question is a quick one from Janet uh, Road Buzit. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I've been wondering if it would be smarter to have two lower price places or one high 
priced place. Diversify or put all my eggs in one basket? I really, really liked this question um, from a numbers perspective because, and, and that's what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to open up um, a calculator and I'm going to show you what it looks like to actually um, have two places and what the cost is and your return on investment versus one place. So let me share my calculator. And again, guys, if you, if you haven't already figured this out, you can get this calculator on fearlesskyle.com and you can go ahead and, uh, and, uh, do your own analysis. So the real big question here, right. Um, that Janet is asking is, are, are you going to diversify enough so that your profit is also going to be better and you're going to, you know, spread it out. So if one, for some reason were to not produce, but the other one does, it kind of offsets it. Okay. So, so let's, let's do this. Let's talk about a four bedroom, two bath, and then divide that up into two, uh, two ones. Okay. So together it's a four bedroom, two bath, but it's two separate, two bedroom, one baths. So I'm going to use common numbers that I have. So, and, and for those of you that are listening on the podcast here, um, I'm going to paint as good of a picture as I can. We're in the initial expenses part. We're talking about what is the upfront cost. So let's just say that the rent at this home is $1,500. It's a two bedroom, one bath. And I'm even going to put two, one. Okay. Um, then we're going to uh, say furnishing for a two bedroom, one bath. Let's just go $4,000. All right. And then amenities also known as the consumables. I'm going to say probably $2,500. Uh, we like to get a lot of extra sheets so that we're not having to scramble to get those security deposit is typically about the same as whatever the rent is. And then you're not doing repairs, maybe miscellaneous, maybe you're having to go grab a, a washer dryer or something like that. I'm going to put $500 right here for the miscellaneous. Okay, so your all in is $8,500 at a two bedroom, one bath. Your utilities, okay, so I'm just going to put in some random numbers here. Uh, let's say it's $80, and this is based on my market, $80 for utilities, Wi-Fi for a two bedroom, one bath should be $50. Landscaping is probably $50. Uh, pest control is probably $40. And then miscellaneous, that's typically our restocking fees. We've got about $75 for that because it's a smaller place. Gas and electric, let's call it um, year round, $200 each. And then estimated month, I'm actually going to keep out the cleaning costs. I'm just going to pretend like this is a wash. We're not making any money on cleaning. I'm just going to keep this really, really simple for you guys. Now, let's say, uh, again, $1,500 and we're making one, let's go 120 per night and we are 85% booked. So that's 26 nights out of 30. All right. So on a two bedroom, one bath, all right, you are $8,500 invested. Your monthly expenses are almost $2,000 and your monthly gross profit, assuming that you're not making any money off the cleaning is $3,400 and some change. What that comes out to is a net profit every month of $1,437 and a yearly return on investment of 202%. It's really good. Those are the only numbers that we're going to focus on right now, 202%. All right. So I'm going to save this and then I'm going to compare it now. So let's go two one arbitrage and then keep current format all right and i'm gonna now redo this one 
to do a 4-2. And then I'll open the, the other one back up and we'll compare it. So 4-2. And furnishing, let's double it. Let's just go ahead and double just about all of our initial expenses, except for amenities. I don't think you're going to double amenities. Let's go probably $37.50 is what our typical is on a four-bedroom. Security deposit. Um, and again, let's say that rent, you know, and, and here's the thing is that rent for a two bedroom is probably not, and we double the size, we're probably not doubling the rent. $1,500 of rent for a two one equates to probably a four two being right around like 22 to $2,400. Okay. So let's just go middle ground there, 2,300. And then security deposit. Now again, the same 2,300. So if you notice, we're, we're not doubling the amount that we're investing. So over at the other uh, property for the 2-1, it was $8,500. If we get two of those, it's actually $17,000 that were invested. But for this 4-2, we're invested $14,550. We're saving about almost $2,500. All right. Uh, and the miscellaneous was the same $500, just assuming that. So now our rent goes up a little bit. Our utilities probably are going to go up a little bit. Let's say 120. Uh, Wi-Fi is probably going to go up to $75. Landscaping, let's just call it 75 as well. Let's call the pest control 50 instead of 40. And miscellaneous now we'll call 125. Gas and electric is probably going to be closer to 350. These are all, again, numbers that are similar in my market. And then our nightly rate, instead of 120 per night for a four bedroom, is probably going to be more like, oh, I'll call it 165. Okay, so we're not doubling our income on that per se. But what we end up seeing is that uh, we are, so let's just, and again, we don't know the numbers of this market, but let's just say that this is exactly what we're looking at. So long story short, what we're looking at now is we're making $4,700 a month. We are uh, spending 3000 just under $3,100 a month. And we're making almost the same net as we did on the two bath. So if it was this type of deal, so, um, and I'm sorry, I lost the name. Um, I think it was Janet. Yes, Janet. If it is, if, if this is the way that the deal looks, then to me, a two, one, two, two ones make a lot more sense because here's the thing, the biggest, the biggest number that I'm looking at is the return on investment. So my return on investment on the other one was 202% versus this one is only 134%. So I'm getting my money back. I'm actually doubling my money and, and I'm going to stop sharing and show both of my, uh, both of those screens, um, desktop share. So here is the four, two, and then let's open it next to the two, one desktop. Come on. Oh, I didn't say this is the 4.2. File save as 4.2. Thanks for your patience, y'all. All right. So 2.1 open 4.2 next to it. Look at these numbers. We're we're only netting about $2,000 more in the 4-2. Uh, we're only netting in a year only about $2,000 more in a year. 
our risk, which I'm not going to go into right now. I don't want to complicate this, but our, our return on investment, 133% versus 202%, which means that when you have a 200% return, you're doubling your money. This $8,500 turns into net of seven of $17,000, which is double what we spent to get this thing up and running. Whereas over here, $14,000 in one year, we turned it into $19,500. So if I'm ready to spend, call it $2,500 more in this scenario, because again, she wants to get two, two bedroom, one baths. If she's ready to spend $17,000 versus over here, only $14,500, her money is going to multiply so much more. Now that's in this type of scenario. What if for some reason over here, what if we were in a market where the rent um, was, let's just call it $1,800, right? And we're only getting $110 per night. All right, now we've got only a net profit of $850 per night on this 2-1 and only a yearly return on investment of 120 Whereas, again, we keep the same numbers over here, but even let's, let's even say um, that the nightly rate is not 110. Let's say there's a huge demand for four-bedroom locations over here, and we're saying it's instead of 165 per night, it's 185 per night. Then look what happens to our numbers. Now we have a hundred in the four bedroom, two bath, we have 181% return on investment. Whereas on the two one, we only have 120% return on investment. This is why I put this in the calculator is because you have to understand what am I doing to my money to multiply it? If I'm not multiplying it at a high rate, it doesn't matter what my net income is every month. It matters how I'm multiplying my money because, and this is where people get stuck. Because, right, you look at the bottom line. And this is, guys, this is where I was stuck in the beginning. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for a second. When I first got into real estate, my mindset was I don't care about the return on investment. I care about my bottom line monthly income. But when you think that way, then you start putting large sums of money at something just to get a specific um, cash flow versus a return on investment. Whereas if I say, okay, what if $100,000, if I spend that, it costs me, what if, what if it costs me $100,000 to get $1,000 of cash flow every month versus what if it costs me $10,000 to get $1,000 of cash flow every month, okay? One is a 12% return. The other one is 120% return, all right? This is how you multiply your money because this person over here that did a 10% uh, or $10,000 down can go do it 10 more times and create $10,000 of cash flow versus that person up here that spent $100,000 to get $1,000 can only do it one time. This is why we look at return on investment in terms of percentages instead of the bottom line cash flow. I hope that helps, Janet. Um, I ended up going a lot longer on that question than I had anticipated, but it was a really good question and I love numbers. So I had fun. Hope you, hopefully that gave you your answering, gave you, uh, hopefully you had some fun too. All right. So next question, um, Patrick Lauren Wright Sr. Really quickly, I'm just going to give you my thoughts on this one. What is the best advice you can give someone starting an Airbnb? What lesson would you, uh, did you learn that you, that you would, sorry. And what lesson have you learned since you started? Okay. So really quickly, 
I was in Airbnb 2015 and 2018. Didn't know that I could make money with an entire house. Didn't know anything about arbitrage. I would have got a mentor. I would have got someone that was at a place in Airbnb that I wanted to be. Or I would have at least gone and looked at you know something like my YouTube channel where I could educate myself. Because guys, I left millions of dollars on the table. I started doing... Airbnb as a career in 2019. Here we are in 2021. We've grossed over a million dollars. We're going to be at $1.5 million before the end of the year that we grossed. Okay. That happened in a matter of two and a half years. I was doing Airbnb for three years as a room out of my house. The best year I ever had in gross income was $7,000 for that first three years. I left millions of dollars on the table. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say I left millions of dollars on the table. And it's just because I didn't know what I didn't know. What lesson have you learned since you started? Uh, automate, automate, automate. Use as much technology as possible. Uh, don't do uh, pricing manually. Don't do me messaging manually. Get it all automated as quickly as possible. Thanks for the question, Patrick. Great question. All right. Um, and, and just so going back to Patrick's question, I ended up getting a course, like I mentioned. So if, if that's where you're looking to go, just fearlesskyle.com. You can see all of our courses right there under the Airbnb tab. And that's where I started. So I would suggest, Patrick, that's where you should start or anyone that's in those shoes as well. Okay. Um, Chris Ann Mayer. I have a father wanting to rent out my Airbnb for his son and two friends. What's everyone's thoughts? Uh, does dad have good reviews? And if he does, um, is he aware that he's liable for anything that his son and two friends will do? Um, because at the end of the day, if you call Airbnb and say, Hey, someone booked here and didn't stay there and someone else showed up, Airbnb will have your back on that. Um, and then I would also just encourage him, Hey, uh, sir, I would actually have your son and two friends book. And if they're below age, then I would put them through an intense pre-screening process. Chris Ann, um, I teach that pre-screening process in one of my videos. And it's also even more in depth in my course as well. Um, if you just go onto YouTube and just look up uh, on my channel, how to pre-screen guests, then you will definitely find uh, the answer to that. So that is all the questions. And I hope that you all got great answers from this. I hope this was really helpful. I really loved Lauren's question or sorry, not Lauren, Janet's question, I, Patrick, Lauren, and then there was Janet. Sorry. <laughs> But I really enjoyed uh, Jan's question. As you can see, I geek out on numbers, uh, but all great questions. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you, Chris Ann, for the great questions. If you guys are continuing to want to uh, educate yourself, again, go and join Airbnb Masterminds if you haven't already. And if you have, make sure that you go and check out fearlesskyle.com for all those resources. And at the end of the day, just go out there and kick the world of Airbnbs, but all right, conquer the world of Airbnb. Go out there. Thank you so much for joining us on The Fearless Investor. See you next time.